Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! Against Gil, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! To the Sneaker History Podcast. What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Engvall, and I'm here with Robbie Falke and Mike Guillory. What's going on, fellas? How's it going today? Yo, it's, it's going good. We're ready to, to try this again and get you guys a new episode. It's a blessed day. I got my Supreme Up Tempos, and I rocked them straight to foot on the first business day, <laughs> like not, not on the weekend, but business day, Monday, <laughs> took them out and they were comfortable. Nice. I, I never owned a pair of air more up tempos, period. Never had a pair. Yeah, they are, uh, they're, they're pretty dope. I, I saw, I saw a couple of your, uh, stories on Instagram. Definitely one of my, one of my favorite shoes. Definitely like it's a bulky shoe, but still super comfortable. So the the tongue system like the straps it's it's really easy to get in and out of you don't have to lace them up tight for them to stay on good wear you can find various pairs of air more up tempos on sale listeners on various places so keep your eyes open if you want that shoe don't pay retail i hate it because you bought those and now i'm looking for them. <laughs> like dang it robbie i wasn't even thinking about this shoe. <laughs> That's pretty much the worst thing the, or the only bad thing about doing this podcast yep. is the more I talk to you guys, the more <laughs> sneakers I want to buy. It's a sickness, but it is what it is. Yeah. My boy hit me up today and he's like, they have the Seattle 10s and the Jordan 34s at the employee store. Do you want them? And I was like, mm, I want both, but no, nah, I'm good. Because we were just talking about Seattle's a couple weeks ago and they've been on my mind ever since. And then Nick, I saw you with the 34s on and I was like, ah, Nick looked good in them. I want those. So it's like, it's bad influences going around. Yep. Yeah. I, I really like the 34. It's, it's, a uh, it's one of the first Jordans like signature models that I've been excited about in a long time. So I, I would say like, if you're going to get them to try them on, because they just are a little, for me, they were a little narrow. Um, and I don't know if that's, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's like, you know, the pair that I got was a pretty, is a, is a sample version. So I don't know if that's because of that or if, you know, the regular ones are a better fit, but I would probably have to go up a size, like a half size if I actually picked up another pair. So I gotta go try them on. When you pick up another pair, <laughs> oh, I bet. More, don't you wish that on <laughs> Yeah, when. Uh, normally we would shout out somebody who gave us a review on iTunes. Unfortunately, we've, we've been going through an incredible dry spell. I don't know if, if, if y'all just are tired of, of listening to, to me ramble. Um, <laughs> or maybe it's just because we've We've been a little inconsistent the last couple of weeks, so we apologize for that. We had some, we had some serious technical challenges last week, so Man. we weren't able to get the second episode last week up and publish for you guys. But this week, we're going to make it happen, and we're going to talk about some Yeezy stuff. We're going to talk about Nike and, and their retail partners and how tough that's going to be in the future. Um, what else we got tonight? Uh, we Prada, yeah, everything. Prada, Adidas, linking up. 
You'll just stay tuned. You'll understand. Before we get into that, you know, as I said, we normally shout out a review, but we didn't have any. So if you can take a couple minutes, leave us a review on iTunes, leave us a comment on SoundCloud, follow us on Instagram or follow us on Spotify, uh, wherever you listen. Actually, let us know where you listen to this podcast, because everybody has like a, a different, you know, kind of platform that they're looking at and are comfortable with. So I, I typically use overcast, um, to listen. I'm not sure where everybody else is at, but we definitely would appreciate if you, if you could give us a little bit of love and, and, you know, leave us a comment, leave us a review, screenshot it, share it to your Instagram stories. Any way you can help us grow the community here. We're really trying to, to keep it moving and keep it going forward so we can continue this journey of ours. If you've been around since the beginning and you want to support us in any further way, we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash sneaker history. We do exclusive episodes over there weekly, typically, um, unless we run into technical difficulties. And we do random content throughout the week. And, and you can kind of keep a little bit more of a personal connection with us there just because we can have like uh, just, just a smaller group of people talking. So if you want to be a part of that, you can do that for as little as five bucks a month. Yeah, we definitely would appreciate it. So. Where do you guys want to start with this? Well, Juan, if you want something really intimate for our Patreon listeners, I'll include some worn socks. I don't know what kind of intimate you're into, but whatever to get you people on there. I'll run in them first if you want, like what, whatever your vibe is. <laughs> I'll, I will hook you up. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm Robbie, I'm you like, better start running those socks, bro. <laughs> all, all, of a sudden, all of a sudden people are like unsubscribing <laughs> only because they haven't gotten right man they're only going to unsubscribe because they're like we didn't get offered socks <laughs> I, I mean so running shameless plug I'm trying to get back to running regularly and I just started using this app Strava I, I have had it forever but I just started actually using it again um, so if you're, you know, one of those people that actually takes care of yourself and you want to, you know, throw some words of encouragement towards other people like myself that are incredibly lazy and don't want to get off my couch and go take care of myself, you can find me on Strava. Um, I'm sure there's a handful of people that listen to the podcast that are on there as well. We could just have like a, uh, who can run the fastest to avoid, you know, Robbie's dirty socks or something like that. Right. So here's one more good plug. Drew over at Wear Testers knows like every single running shoe and how they work. So if you're looking to get more fit and if you're looking to get that app and do it with Nick, you might want to check out his page and try to find the right pair of shoes. He could be the guy to help you. I know a lot about running shoes too. Feel free to ask. Um, if it's not a Nike running shoe, I don't know about it. <laughs> so it's a very limited knowledge field. But but you know what? Like, yeah, right? Um, if you're looking for a new pair of Nikes, I, I can I can help you out in that department. I've sold many running shoes to people. So, yeah, actually, yeah, Drew Whitcomb. Drew Whitcomb's on there. He he and I are, are you know follow each other, and uh, I don't I don't want to like roll him under the bus, but he runs so much it just makes me feel bad. So. Um, there, there is a downside <laughs> to following Drew, but no, I, I agree. He's a good dude and, and obviously is very, very knowledgeable about that stuff. And there's proof on the Strava app that, that he's actually putting in the miles that he says he is. So definitely worth following him on there. Where do you guys want to start? Well, let's get running to the first topic. <laughs> so many things. Uh, <laughs> I think yeah, you want to start with Nike and their, their new branding plan or you want to save that to the to like the end well let's let's uh let's start with with eric lidke and kanye west and pharrell and beyonce and adidas because uh i think this is actually potentially bigger news than people think um if you're not familiar eric lidke is basically like one of the higher ups uh, executives at, at Adidas. He's been with the company for, I don't know, I think 20, 25 years, something like that. Um, and he's, you know, one of the people that are directly responsible for 
some of the recent partnerships that Adidas has gone through with celebrities like Kanye West, Pharrell, Beyonce, but even more importantly, he's like he was the man behind the partnership with Parley for the Oceans, which is, you know, the preventing of plastic waste or the removal of plastic waste that gets turned into products for Adidas now. So I think that uh, he's I think he's a, a, an important person in the business and just wanted to give him a shout out because, you know, him leaving is big news and hopefully Adidas can, you know, find somebody that brings on that same level of commitment and that same level of, I guess, like willingness to take on these potential projects that seem like they have no way of failing, but inevitably they always do. Right. And it's always a risk to have these major partnerships. So um, props to him. And, and obviously 25 years, is a long time at any, at any business, but you know, he's made some serious changes for Adidas throughout the years. And I'm, I'm sure I can't, I can't confirm this right now, but I'm sure that he's behind some of those decisions for the company to go, you know, completely recycle plastic, even throughout their, you know, campuses and stuff like that. So. Yeah. After reading his, uh, reading article, kind of seeing where he was at, why he was leaving. I mean, he's been, what, 20, 20 years there. 25 years there and 94, 25, yeah. 25 years there. And I mean, he just said it's time for him to move on, just trying to get into some other endeavors and some other things that he don't want to do with his life. I mean, spending 25 years at a, a company, especially one company when you're in the, in the shoe game is that's super rare. It's almost like staying on one NBA team for your entire career. Um, I mean, I'm sure he's going to do something pretty, pretty, Dope, pretty admirable on his own. I'm sure since he is big into like the, you know, conserving the planet, being the person who really hands on the Parley uh, initiative with with Adidas. I'm sure he's going to do something that's going to be cool, but at the same time, it's going to be good for the planet. That you would assume, right? We'd hope so. I mean, I think it'd be really dope if he used the no compete he's probably signing or has already signed to go like live in nature, go do like a, um, into the wild type deal. Um, that'd be kind of the man versus wild. <laughs> yeah. That'd be awesome. But, um, like Nick was saying, the amount of people he's helped bring under the Adidas banner is massive. Like there's not in 20, I guess, let's say the last since 2010, Beyonce, Kanye and Pharrell, well, I would say unarguably three of the most 10 popular artists in the last 10 years easily. That's not a stretch of the imagination um, to get those people flying the three stripes is like, that's a boss move. Like there's people out there in marketing or in PR who never have any kind of luck landing one of those artists let alone three of them and then being involved with those creative processes. Like that's a resume that can land you a job outside of footwear. You could land a job, you know, pretty much selling anything. You can sell ice in Antarctica apparently. Um, so I just would like to see what's next for Adidas. If they continue trying to add more talent to the roster, or if they say, we have X, Y, and Z, Beyonce, Pharrell, Kanye, Pusha T, everybody. Um, let's just work on these lines. Is it going to kind of slow down? I think that's going to be the most interesting part about this is like what Adidas does next on the go forward. Well, I got a question for you guys because now I'm, because I'll be honest, I hadn't heard of was Eric, right? I hadn't heard of him until today. And that's just being completely honest. So, I did not so all the time when you hear about, you know, the Kanye signing, Pharrell signing, Beyonce signing, everything goes back to Wex. So is Wex just a poster boy for it and Eric doing all, all the work on the back end or how how does it actually work? Is to say because they're saying that he's responsible for all these these signings and these deals, but anytime you see, you know, John Wexler anywhere is they're saying that he was the one responsible for bringing these people in. So Wex is like global entertainment and like 
what Adidas does publicly, not so much who they're signing, like who's behind the signing and like acquisition of the talent. He's more of what they do to make the talent work for the brand. Okay. So, so did, is that a good way of saying it, Nick? I mean, yeah, I think I think so. So, I guess like just to just to like kind of step back from that. So, think of it as like with when you have when you're at work and you you know have a project happening. Think of how many people are working on that project. The same kind of thing happens in the footwear business, whether you're at a brand or you know my career at you know, complex or, or finish line or any place like that. And a lot of times there's a, a kind of hands-on, uh, I guess, not really manager, but just like the person that kind of manages that relationship. So yeah. um, at Adidas, Wex is kind of that guy, but, you know, maybe not for athletes, right? Because he is on the entertainment side. So there's going to be, you know, people in basketball, people in football, people in, you know, soccer that all basically have the same role as him, you know, on those specific verticals for the company. But the way that Adidas mixes things up and works over across all these different, you know, um, verticals and different, you know, sports and, and creative spots and the way that they kind of have, you know, sport performance with the, you know, the the three stripes and then you have the 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 Adidas originals with the the trefoil logo like all those things have to work together in order for major things to work right i'm sure that both of these guys mm -hmm. would you know both wex and eric would would say you know you know credit to the other one for making these kind of things happen and i also think that they would probably give credit to you know another dozen people that really you know, do the work to make these things happen because it's just super complicated. And you, you can imagine what just in, just in like watching anything Kanye West related, right. You can imagine what it takes to, to make someone like that happy and then take that and, <laughs> you know, how, like you could almost have one person that works directly with him at all times. Right. And like, you know, on the design side, they do have that. They have Stephen Smith, who's designed like the New Balance 1500, um, you know, the Nike Zoom Streak, the, I mean, he's in the Pump Fury. He's done a, a ton of stuff through a ton of different brands. And he's the kind of creative designer behind all of the Yeezy footwear now. So, you know, Kanye is kind of the face of that. But behind the scenes, there's a huge team of people that are making all that stuff happen for him to kind of take credit. And not saying that he doesn't give input and, and, and lead it all, but there's a lot of talented people, you know, making that happen. And going back to, you know, like Wex and, and Eric, they're, they're just, you know, two of many people that are making all these things happen. And, you know, there used to be, Adidas has had a couple of people leave over the past maybe three to five years. Um, I guess not even that long, maybe two to three years. And, you know, it, it, I don't want to make this conversation political, but but there are definitely people that have left the company that I know because of Kanye's politics. And I think that those are the kind of things that you've got to look in and see these guys that have put in so much time and energy and, and so much that have been so committed to the brand that, you know, just think about how much stuff they've had to go through to really make all of this stuff happen. And that's why I wanted to bring up this, this story and, you know, like hopefully shout out to Wex. Like, I mean, I love, like I was actually just talking to him the other day about some other stuff, but I'd love to get him on the podcast at some point and, and kind of talk through this because, you know, it, the process of, and the work that these guys do is very Wex. Wex is very public about his connection to Adidas and he's super passionate about, about, you know, entertain, like he's super passionate about hip hop. He's so knowledgeable. Like he's just one of those guys that if you meet him and get to talk to him, it's not a surprise at all that he's as successful as he is. That said, I think that people don't get to talk to him or get to spend time understanding what his role is. They see like, Oh, he's at the party with, you know, Kanye or at the party with Snoop or at the party with Pharrell. And like, 
you know, those things are really cool, but you know, like those are things that take you away from your family. Those are things that put you on the road all the time. There's a lot of, there's a lot of trade-offs in, in that lifestyle. And I'm not saying that, you know, people shouldn't go after that. I just think that it would be cool to get a little bit deeper into, into that. Um, but yeah, so I, I think, you know, Robbie, you, you, you're probably, you know, right on with the kind of, um, formal look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, that answers my question perfectly. <laughs> Thinking about like that, that his role with Adidas, uh, it would be interesting to know if he was involved in this next story we wanted to talk about that is basically Prada and Adidas have a shoe coming out in the next few weeks, supposedly. Yeah, it looks like it's supposed to be a, at least like a, I guess a pretty, I guess a small capsule collection. Uh, rumors are suggesting that is a, uh, called the Adidas product, product selling shoe. I guess it's a, a, a playoff one of, Prada's, uh, was it America's Cup sneakers? I guess that's the line of sneakers. I haven't personally seen those uh, myself, but looking like they're going to be ranging rumor price at about 350 bucks. So not much is seen on them. Um, they're just, just complete rumors right now. But I mean, it's uh, jumping into again. I mean, Adidas isn't, isn't uh, new to jump into a high fashion market, especially with their Y3 line um and the rick owens collaboration so um not something i'm a personal fan of i'm not a big huge fan of like the high fashion sneakers but um i see it working i, I see people buying them i see it being successful for what it is and i don't know how do you guys feel about it praise is due to the most fly prada like kanye so paul <laughs> that's a very niche quote thanks Yeezy. Um, Man, I'm not going to buy these. I don't care about them. It's cool that it's happening because um, it's like so many fashion brands, like high-end stuff, worked with Nike and Adidas already. Prada, I feel like they try to make their own shoes, like right? Like Prada, Gucci, Balenciaga, they're not trying to partner with anybody because they're making their own stuff. So it's cool that like Prada's getting into it. Um, on a different note, Michael B. Jordan did a coach collection and like that was super dope. It was like Naruto, but it's like $800 for a jacket. And so it's like, I'm not trying to spend $800 on a jacket. Same way. I'm not trying to spend, you know, five, $600 for like the super high end Adidas designer kicks, which I'm assuming these might not hit 500, but they're, they're going to be top, you know, high end super aspirational fashionista type shoes. And that's just not my style. It's not me. <laughs> know thyself. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is definitely not my, my style either. So, um, but I do think it's cool to see it happen because as we were kind of talking about, about the other story, there's just a lot of things that have to come together for these kind of things to happen. And it's cool that, a lot of brands are really trying um, this kind of stuff. Uh, I think that the the Pharrell, you know, Chanel NMDs is kind of like the pinnacle of this kind of collaboration. Um, you know, taking Virgil and Louis Vuitton out of the conversation or Kanye and Louis Vuitton. But it is cool to see the two brands kind of doing something different to, to kind of, I don't know, just, just mix it up a little bit. So pretty sure Nicki Minaj just did a, did a collab with somebody. Um, some high-end fashion brand that just released. I thought she was retiring. Well, okay. <laughs> she was just retiring for like a, a split second. You know, you know how you got to do it. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is a it's it's super dope. I mean, three hundred fifty bucks. Like you're kind of it's kind of interesting because we're you know we're in a weird spot where sneaker prices are, are climbing and uh, I think, you know, high end brands are lowering some of their prices to get closer to the sneaker prices, but there's plenty of people spending a lot of money on the secondary market. And, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how successful this will be. So not very, I'm playing. <laughs> um, yeah, this is, it's not for, it's, it's for people that probably aren't listening to this. I bet you there's way more people who are like hardcore Prada fans, like, like straight up fashion fans who are like, Oh hell yeah. Adidas. I'm like rock these with my $8,000 purse. Like, I don't know. I'm not hating on people who have really expensive things. That's cool. But it's just, yeah, there's a different strokes for different folks, I believe is the same. My, uh, my next thing is a little, little bit of hating, but it is what it is. I think it's for the person who's going to make that YouTube video of, uh, I spent $20,000 in a mall today. This is what I bought. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever wants those shots, I, hate the don't, videos don't too. I don't care. <laughs> shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, I guess moving on to the next topic that we wanted to get into, Nike, um, let's see, what's the best way to start this out? Nike is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, I was thinking about saying that, but then I was thinking, well, not really, because I get why they're doing it. So, um, you know, back in, what did we say that was? I don't know, episode 27. 27? Yeah, exactly 40 episodes ago. What was it? Exactly 40 episodes ago. Yeah, so so episode 27, we talked about Nike uh, pulling the account of Premier Boutique up in the Bay Area and San Mateo and, you know, ca- basically caused the, the store to have to close because, you know, if you've been selling Nike product for so long, how, how are you going to keep up your, you know, income levels without Nike all of a sudden? So um, this this story uh, that we'll have linked in the description is basically a continuation of that. It's a continuation of a plan that they talked about on their um, on their investor call, probably 2016, 2017, somewhere around there. But they basically said they're going to move further away from the, the wholesale market and start selling more and more directly to, to consumers and uh, also require that these you know partners that they have that are retailers that are buying at a wholesale price have to buy uh, a lot more product in order to keep their accounts open. So um, this this article is from Forbes, but it's from the UK and basically talking about the changes in the UK. But this is also something we know is going to trickle across all the you know countries that Nike does business in. So it's called the Triple Double Strategy, and it was announced in 2017. The company promised to to double its quote cadence and impact of innovation, double its speed to market, and double its quote direct correct connections with consumers. So uh, now they're putting this into play and it's basically going to throw off the distribution for all of these products. So if you're uh, dissatisfied with the sneakers app in any way right now, expect to see most or more releases headed to the sneakers app only. Sounds like. but. Yeah, see, my thoughts on this, I, I take any of my normal traditional business sense I have because, yes, I know it makes sense. It lowers their their their, our, their, their margin of having to, you know, oh, we're going to only take a percent of this when we can just go ahead and cut out the middleman. Makes sense to make more money as, again, as someone who understands how a business works, I got it. But now on the other side, as someone who's a customer and all of us are pretty avid customers, if you're listening to this, you probably buying multiple sneakers through the month and it it sucks because I'm I'm in Houston, right? And if they're gonna move away from a lot of wholesale, if a lot a lot of things are just gonna be basically Foot Locker, which they pretty much own a chunk of that feels like. Um and then every and then have to go to sneakers out, it kind of sucks because with Houston being such a big town, yeah, we have a couple of uh couple of Nike outlets, but we don't have a legit Nike store and we kind of get kind of get hosed with a lot of the uh the releases. I mean, heck, Travis Scott is from freaking Houston, Texas, and only one store got the both the sixes and the ones here. Messed up. 
So, I mean, what is that? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, that's a whole different tangent. I mean, they had the whole sneaker pass thing for LA and in New York. I'm like, what the dudes from here, like, why, why do we not get those special releases being the fourth biggest city in the freaking U S so what are they going to do? Are they going to stop giving these stores the account and then build Nike stores? If that's the case, I'm going to be a little bit better with it because it gives you still the option to go buy it because unless they're going to de- debug and make sure there's zero bots, which they can't do uh, on a sneakers app and take all that inventory and put it online. So it's going to be more accessible to people. That's the only way I see it working because you're going to put it to a point where, you know, towns who relied on the boutique shop, which I do here a lot of times, if I'm not buying a resale, I rely on that to go the boutique shops to go get, you know, stuff that's not in line releases. And at that point, you're going to force people to go ahead and buy like the same shoe, the same, everyone has the same thing. I think, I, I mean, I say this is speaking just on the, on the consumer side. It, it really, really sucks because you're going to take something away without kind of replacing it. That makes any sense. Nike went from securing the bag to direct depositing the bag. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, we talked about it before we started recording, like the kiths concepts, like Dover street market, PSNY, they don't have to worry about losing their accounts because they're like high end stuff. So those will still keep going through. But a lot of the options people like Mike has and all across the country are really going to struggle from this. And that sucks. Like that's kind of the nail in the coffin for like the old heads being able to be like, oh, I remember back in my day, we met in front of blank store. So in Vegas, there's one called Sweet 160 and they used to have all of the dopeness and it might still be around, but I don't think it is. Um, and they had all the dopeness in there and there'd be lines out front to go and get a pair of SBs. And now that's officially gone. It's all going to be competitive. I would say not even cited fights on applications, the Adidas reserved app or sneakers. Cause you know, Adidas is a, you know, monkey see monkey do like if Nike's doing this, um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for Adidas within the next 10 years to look at that model and be like, Oh, okay. You're cutting. I mean, you're raising your profit margins by 8%, whatever it might be. We're going to make that move too. It's smart. So this is like the beat, the official beginning of the end or the end of the end, however you want to put a place marker on it. But the the old ways of doing things are getting further and further away. It's a long time coming for a lot of this stuff too, right? Like the, you know, the fact that Nike even allows retail stores at this point is not, you know, with, with like a handful of exceptions, like you mentioned, Kith and, um, concepts and bodega and undefeated and all these like really big stores that have made a huge presence online you know there's not really a financial reason for them to be in business with other shops now it used to be that that's how they marketed their product right they had to have so many doors so it made sense for them to be in you know every mom and pop shop they could it made sense for them to be in every footlocker finish line champs and foot action and we're just in a different time and i think that so uh, most people would say that retail is dead right or whatever and i think that's this is kind of the things this is one of the things that causes that is the, the brands doing this kind of stuff and i don't like to think of it as retail being dead i just think that retail is different now i think that you have to have a cool experience, whether that's a, a pop-up or a store inside of a store or, you know, weekly, monthly, whatever type of events, you know, people want experiences that they can share and they can, and that they're going to remember. Right. And and it's translating into product. People want to buy product. You want to buy a, a t-shirt from, you know, every pop-up that you go to. It's, it's like, 
you know, Kanye and Travis Scott merch is is equally as, you know, in demand as, you know, Supreme stuff or, you know, some of the Nike stuff or some of the Adidas stuff that comes out. And I think that in order for anybody to be successful in this space, you know, I think of like sneakers and stuff as, as probably the best example of seeing, seeing this in, you know, in, in the works from Nike, hearing about it a few years back and knowing that they're going to basically start cutting back on smaller brands. So, you know, I haven't talked to, to, to Peter and the guys in a little bit, but I would say that, you know, they probably saw that they probably talked about it and they probably said, all right, we need to go for it. Let's bring in new investors and more investors and let's expand. And now, you know, two, three years later, they've got stores in New York stores in LA stores all around the, all around the world. And now if you're looking at it from Nike's perspective, well, it's a huge risk for them to pull the, the high, you know, the kind of like more hyped, product from a spot like sneakers and stuff because they're everywhere and they're they have a global presence and there's a huge community that supports these types of stores so you you would get a little bit of backlash from people by pulling that you know people aren't going to stop buying nikes altogether but you know imagine the imagine the social media the twitter stuff that would happen if nike pulled you know let's say sneakers and stuff or undefeated or Kith, any of those accounts, there would be crazy, crazy negative publicity about that. And eventually people would probably get over it. But think of all the times that that you bought a shoe from one of those, like, you know, more successful multiple store retailers, boutique retailers. And then on top of that, think of all the collabs that they are able to generate a ton of energy for Nike with. But at the end of the day, all of those things equal, you know, creating a, a, a cool experience for the customers, right? Those stores have a really unique spaces. They have tons of money dropped into them in order to, to provide that atmosphere for people to come into, you know, think of like Kith and having Kith treats and all of their stores. Now, like people, people want those types of like Instagrammable moments, even if they're not going, even if they don't walk out buying a pair of shoes, they want to post about that store on social media. And I think that's where Nike is kind of in this spot where, yeah, they can, they can close some of the smaller accounts and it's unfortunate for those people that have smaller accounts, but it's also just kind of the nature of the beast. And if you haven't, you know, kind of stepped your game up to understand like, Hey, we need wow factor at every touch point with a customer. We need wow factor. Like the customer has to just be like, damn, I can't believe they're doing this. This is so cool. If they're not doing that every time and you have a retail store, then you need to change your strategy because that's the only way that you're going to be successful long-term is by creating those experiences for people and bringing in the atmosphere that, that brands like Nike. And like you said, Adidas is, is going to go the same way at some point, no matter what, like they have responsibility to the shareholders to be more profitable. And if it's more profitable to give, you know, Kith, those shoes that your boutique wanted to have, then that's what they're going to have to do. Because guess what? If they don't have shareholders putting money in their business, they're not expanding their business. So it's unfortunate, but kind of where we're at. So the complete flip side of that, having experiences and stepping up your retail game, stores that don't have to worry about that, that I won't, that I don't think will be affected by this are the Marshalls, not, not Marshalls, but like, um, TJ Maxx's of the world and like famous footwear, the places that like sell like the $30 price point, $40 price point Nikes, like those will continue to thrive just because the price point is low. They're going to sell those things every time. Like those shoes sold at those kind of stores, like the Tanjunes and Monarchs and flex, like free flexes and stuff like that. Those make up a huge portion of Nike sales in terms of models. So you either have to be providing fantastic world-class experiences or be in the shopping mall with Target that you know you're going to flip 100 pairs of all black. Like, you know, free flexes. So flexes, 
like it's nothing. So it's kind of like American income. You either have money or you're super rich. There's really not becoming an, a, a middle ground anymore. Shoes are following that model for good or bad, better or worse. And I think there's really interesting things about that, right? So the the way that those stores work is is you are buying like what a retail store would consider RTV, right? Return to vendor product. So, you know, the way that Ross does it, for instance, is they buy they buy like quantity of shoes. They don't even know what shoes they're buying. They literally just buy quantities of shoes from this kind of like, you know, discount wholesaler, which is either, you know, the graveyard buying directly from Nike or buying directly from Foot Locker or Foot Action, blah, blah, blah. And I think that those stores, yeah, they'll they'll always be around. There'll always be people that are, you know, smarter than us and spending forty dollars max on shoes and enjoying their life. And, you know, we're always gonna spend way too much on sneakers. But I think <laughs> the interesting thing about that is all of this happens because of the way that the business of sneakers has been for the last, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 years, right? If you're a retailer, it's very, 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 very rare that you have the opportunity to return to vendor a shoe unless you're a massive retailer like Foot Locker, Foot Action, you know, I'd say Foot Locker as in like all the stores that are owned by Foot Locker. So Foot Action, Champs. East Bay uh, used to be 602, but that's done now. I can't remember the other ones. Um, but or Finish Line, right? Who's a different, you know, that's what JD Sports now. But like those retailers are buying so much that they have things in place that say, hey, if we can't sell X amount of these at this cost, then we're going to send them back to whoever made them. So Nike and Adidas get those shoes back. Those shoes are then taken, you know, either to like a wholesale event or, you know, through kind of backdoor like channels that just basically sell them at a, at a, at a crazy discount and they end up at a Ross Marshall's TJ Maxx, you know, Nordstrom rack, et cetera. Um, the interesting thing about that is that boutiques don't have that option. So if you have a store and you have a Nike account and you get, you know, 40 pairs of Jordan ones and they don't sell out and you can't figure out how to sell them, you're, you're not allowed to sell them on eBay. You know, people do like all the stores up and down the cool factor chain, you know, from all the way up to concepts and, and, and undefeated. And those types have always backdoored shoes. They always sold on eBay. They've always sold on different platforms because it's how they build hype. For one, you'll see early product on eBay, you know, before the shoe is even released. Do you really think that, you know, oh, somehow somebody snuck out of, you know, kith with a pair of ronnie's collabs no that's not how it works somebody went and said hey let's put it up there and see how much hype we can build for the product and you know that's just marketing in the modern era of sneakers in my opinion it drives me crazy that the business of sneakers for a small boutique though is held to a different standard than your you know or your mom and pop store is held to a different standard than your kind of big box retailer or your more established boutiques. Because if you're, if you have one store, you don't really have the option to send stuff back. So it's no wonder that, you know, these stores struggle if they are sold, you know, a tangent that the, you know, the sales rep came in and was like, this is going to be the next Roche design, you know, like this is going to be the next Roshi run, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you'd be screwed if you if you went in heavy into the into the tangent, right? Yeah. Like that shoe's not selling the way Hiroshi did. You know, like it's just that would be wrong. But that is probably how the sales rep pushed that shoe when Nike was like, Hey, we gotta come up with another inexpensive shoe to replace the Roshi run. But now you're kind of screwed because you have all these shoes. You don't have a way to send them back to to Nike. So you either take the chance listing them on eBay, potentially get caught and you know, get your account suspended or completely, you know, removed, whatever the case may be, or you, you know, take a loss and donate them, whatever that is. But like, you just don't have too many options if you've made the wrong choice. So it's a really tough business, in my opinion, in in that space of like, how do I keep this moving without the benefits that say, you know, an undefeated or a Foot Locker or bigger, bigger retailer gets? Um, 
which is also why Nike probably is like, we'll just cut all those people off in the next year or two. And we'll just keep it moving with the people that we know we're going to push tens of thousands of units. Yeah. All I say is everyone else, I mean, start diversifying what you sell, start pushing some of these other products. There's some good shoes out there. Don't, I mean, I know Nike's a big seller, but don't, don't put all your eggs in that one basket and start, you know, just start weighing some other options because if you actually love what you do as a store owner, there's some, there's some definite ways to stay out there without having, you know, Nike as your main product. I mean, there's, there's a few stores up there now that, heck, I don't think you even have Nike accounts and they're still prospering. So no, it's, it is, it is kind of, you know, like for, for retailers that are out there, it's definitely, you know, a challenge to kind of remove yourself from depending on, you know, the big brands like Nike, Jordan, Adidas, but it is important to kind of mix up the products that you're selling, maybe sell more of your own branded stuff, you know, sell to kind of your core customer and really focus on that. Um, if you, if you listen to episode uh, a few, few couple, two weeks back, I, I talked to Justin Valley who has owned a couple of different boutiques over the years. And we talk a little bit about that in that episode. And I think, you know, the, the nature of all of us is to want whatever the hottest, hypest thing is. And that's not always a, a sustainable long-term vision for a retail store. Um, and I think like if, if, if you have a brand or a store or your own business of any kind, there's a, there's a, um, a great kind of short essay um, called 1000 True Fans. And it's by a guy, I think his name is Kevin Kelly. And basically talks about how you need to focus on how, how all you really need to be successful is 1000 true fans. And the people, if you can get those people that really support you through thick and thin, if you can get a thousand of those people, you're going to be successful in business. And I think it's a really good read for, for anybody that has, you know, the desire to open their own store, start their own clothing line any of those things because it's 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 a very like kind of eye-opening thought process because you know we look at it and we're like hey you know sneaker news has millions of followers i gotta get to that level blah 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 or kith has millions of followers blah 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 and the reality is like you don't need to get to that level there's a lot of there's a lot of fluff in all of that stuff and it's not bad to have all those followers but that doesn't always translate to sales so um i would suggest reading that but i'll, I'll get off my uh my soapbox and uh, switch it up and we'll talk about, I guess like secondary market stuff, right? Goat has uh, some new stuff coming. Yeah. Goat, which has been getting way too, way too many of my dollars lately. Uh, <laughs> has a, uh, they actually today unveiled in uh, their apparel section, which went live today looks like. And I mean, I feel like overall, just Goat's been winning silently because they haven't had any big major issues with their their product they're putting out to people, people's information, you know, like StockX, of course. Um, I don't know. They're just they're they're just silently again, just going about their business, getting people what they want, and it is paying off. And Nick, would you see uh, on looking on the uh, looking at the app store that what was it? Goat had five times more reviews, three times more reviews than, than StockX does. And it's like number 13 on the overall shopping list of apps. Yeah. So I was looking at, I was doing some research for like secondary market project that I'm potentially working on and looking at the, the different platforms. And, you know, I, I worked for StockX for a couple of years and did like some more work for them, you know, even beyond that. But looking at the success of, of and the competition for all these platforms right now, you know, StockX is uh, like around 65, 66,000 reviews on iTunes, 4.7 rating. Goat is 290, almost 297,000 ratings and number uh, 4.9 rating. So um, number 13 in shopping, as you said, it's it's kind of crazy. And I, and I think, too, the other thing that's really interesting about, you know, this kind of stuff is there's so many apps out there, right? There's, 
you know, the there's there's Goat, there's StockX, there's obviously eBay, there's Grailed, there's you know Stadium Goods and Flight Club and Kixify and you know, um, I mean, and that's not even getting into like more of the fashion focused ones like Poshmark and the Real Real and um, you know, there's I don't know if the app is still around, but there used to be an app called Bump that was like you know kind of like one of those. Um, just smaller versions, you know, and Depop and and things like this. Like it's it's like never ending. Like the secondary market is so massive now, and everybody's trying to, you know, carve out their little you know section of of customers that that they can service. And I think that you know, Goat bringing apparel onto their app right now uh, is is a huge it's a huge thing for, you know, like for Grailed and StockX, who I would say are the two kind of top competitors for them in the sneaker space. I mean, with that many reviews and with that, you know, much bigger of a, of a user base, that's going to take a chunk of, of the market from anybody that's selling, you know, streetwear type stuff. And I don't know, man, it's crazy. I don't trust. I mean, I probably said it on here too, but for the most part, I don't trust websites, platforms to buy super rare, like clothing or shoes. Cause I think of it as like a numbers game and I, and I totally could be wrong, but I'm sure there's Supreme heads out there that potentially listen to this and know their Supreme numbers um, as well as they possibly could, but there's no way in hell there are, enough large size large supreme box logos to fit on all these different platforms and nick brought up a good point of there being multiple listings and i, I multi-list too i'll post shoes on ebay and goat um, stuff like that does happen but just when there's another place for those type of products that are already super limited I don't trust the curation process or, you know, the vetting process of those clothing items by goat yet. Like I trust goat more than I, I trust StockX um, for a couple different reasons when it comes to shoes. So I would be more inclined to buy shoes from them. But when it comes to clothing, I don't trust either one. I trust a human being who's familiar with the products that has longer than like what 45 seconds 60 seconds um it's from, from really fast well um i don't know if we can really disclose from first-hand experience <laughs> what that turnaround time is but it's come up in conversation and i'm sure it's out there on the internet they're trying to turn and burn and move these products so people like mike doesn't have to wait three weeks to get his shoes maybe he only has to wait two because technically they're a middleman and I'm just not, I'm just not confident in those vetting processes to, to have somebody look through, okay, this is how Supreme stitches the inner hems. This is how a Supreme um, like label should feel, or this is how the, the font should look, or these are like red flags for fakes. Like they're not, they're probably hitting some of those things, but they also have to staff a lot more people than a trusted boutique who has somebody has been a Supreme fan since like 2008 who's held Supreme in their hands a billion times and truly has, you know, it's a craft to be able to identify products or as fake or not. I think that's just as much as a craft as like repairing shoes is telling if a shoe is fake or not. So I'm just not down to buy stuff like that off of goat. I think they're opening themselves up to just bring in more money and that's great. They're a business. Um, their job is to get money for their stockholders. Um, uh, but yeah, I'm just, I, I'm not any more inclined to buy anything off of goat clothing wise for any particular reason. And I'm, I'm sure there's other listeners out there who have the same kind of sentiment as I do, but yeah, that's, that's just my two cents on it. No, I agree with you. I think identifying fake clothes is going to be way harder than identifying finding fake sneakers. Just too many things that can be replicated pretty easily. Um, and it's just 
don't know. I don't me yet too. I don't I don't typically buy those like expensive like t shirts and stuff. I'll I'll save the expensive things to put on my feet and just go buy t shirts from Target. But <laughs> that's just that's uh, up, huh? I mean that's what's up. Like what are you what are you gonna go buy a sixty dollar graphic t shirt of Iron Man or are you gonna go buy a nice soft fifteen dollar t shirt of Iron Man? I'm gonna buy the fifteen dollar one in that instance. Like t shirts for sure. Exactly. And even like stores like, like Bait, I mean, they produce a good product and it's super decently priced. But back to, I mean, it's the topic in general. I think clothes can, you can get the Fugazi real easily with clothes as it is, you know, easier than it is with sneakers, I think. So, so two things I wanted to address, like to Robbie's point about not trusting the sites. I mean, I, I 100% agree. It's, it's so much easier to trust somebody in person, right? But I will say that I know people that work, obviously, at StockX. I know people that work at Goat. And I will say that there are, like, some some really good people that work at both of those companies. Um, I could say the same thing about the real real that, that know their stuff and that I would trust to do, you know, maybe not specifically clothes, but I trust their judgment on a lot of, you know, the, the real or fake on, on you know, even just like the way the business runs and like kind of tying these things together. Um, but that said, I do think that, you know, it's tough when both of these platforms are essentially built on this, like being anonymous as a buyer and seller kind of thing. And, you know, that's, that's ultimately what drives a lot of us to buy from, you know, someone like, you know, uh, Project Blitz or Soul Supremacy or um, any of any of the like long running resellers that have just, you know, they've been doing it for so long that they know their stuff. And, and you know, they've grown a, a, an audience and a trust level with that audience to be able to sell stuff. And I think that's the thing that's kind of really interesting with this stuff, the 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 type of apparel that goat has on the site as of right now is not easily replicated stuff. Right. I mean, you're talking like a cold wall stone Island type of gear. That's just, you know, you're going to buy a a $900 jacket. Like that's not something that's very easy to counterfeit. Not saying that it doesn't exist because we all know that it does. But a lot of times with stuff like that, it's easier for people that know the products well to kind of identify it. And, you know, like you said, if you're just talking a graphic T-shirt, that's something that's so much easier to fake. But, you know, like, let's say you're you're buying a, I don't know, a Supreme, you know, drum set. Like, what are the odds of somebody actually being able to fake a Supreme drum, drum set? Like, it's just not likely, you know, so. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just an interesting time to see all these things happening. Cause I think that it, it's also just a sign that everybody's going to have to fight for this kind of, um, this kind of, you know, attention and the playing field is, is leveled more and more every day because everyone's trying to sell the same products and there's no differentiation between a lot of these places other than like we were talking about with the retail spots going back to, you know, creating an atmosphere or an experience that people are just like, cool, these are the people that I fuck with and I'm going to stick with. So here's this one, I guess two little baby devil advocate things. So there are 100% people that you know and trust there. They have to, they have to train people who are just like, maybe not as well versed, like, oh, dope, I got a job at GOAT, I'm going to, or StockX, I'm going to like be doing this job. And like they're they're training people that maybe might not know as well. But what I'm getting to by that point is that in retail, given a stock, you know, StockX app based retail, it ultimately is like stock less so that they don't have their own inventory retail. So they're bringing people in that don't have that expertise, like for every like I, I think I'm trying to talk like I know Nick, you actually do know. So that's kind of different. But just like there can't be all those good people out there. And like a Supreme drum set, 
I've never seen a Supreme drum set before. I imagine it can't be that hard to buy a drum set and wrap it properly with Supreme because Supreme isn't all that original to begin with, with something like that. So just my point with that was when there's five different app-based resale things and you know there's only like 30, 50, 100, 400, you know, drum sets out there. Like the 405th is where I get sketched out. Like there just aren't enough numbers to like for that to still be on there years from now, brand new, never touched. So it's like, that's what's kind of weird to me. Yeah. And I true, I, I a hundred percent agree with you. I think, you know, the, the, like we talked about in previous episodes, you know, the, the issue uh, you know, one of the biggest issues with all of these sites is that they're trying to turn around, you know, hundreds or thousands of purchases every day. And if their job is to authenticate a shoe, then they're not taking the time that really needs to be taken to actually be, you know, 100% accurate with that. And that's why we see all these people on social media complaining constantly about all these platforms in one way or another. And I think, you know, to your point about the training you know, on top of that, the people that are doing the training still have to hold up that, you know, mile a minute kind of speed and stuff just, you know, you just can't, you can't mess with the, You can't not take the time to do that part of the job when that's the one thing that people are actually paying you to do, in my opinion. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a tough thing. I mean, I just, bought a pair of shoes off of goat. So we'll see, they haven't shown up yet, but, um, I mean, I've used pretty much every platform at this point. Uh, it's been a, been a while since I used goat, but uh, there was a deal up there that I couldn't pass. So I figured I'd grab it from there. It was well below retail. So, um, I would love to know from, from everybody that's listening though, what, what your favorite platform on the secondary market is and, why you know like what is it about that particular platform that you like and you know because i think that all of them have different things that are good about them you know goat goats content they're like magazine and uh greatest and that kind of thing is really great StockX app i think is is you know the easiest to see prices and to just you know, know that this is what it is uh, you can get a little bit cheaper stuff on there but you know i, I don't know like they're all they all have their their downfalls in my opinion. So we'll see. So maybe somebody's going to come out with something that just kicks all of their asses and we actually get something great for as customers. So shout out to StockX for being a great place for me to see when release dates were and what retail prices were back in the day. I use it for that purpose all the time. So kudos StockX. Don't be wrong though. I'll be looking real stupid. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I kind of rely on that when I'm like, ah, I think this was 2015, 2014, but I'll, I'll use that. And well, flight club a lot too. flight clubs. Definitive. I feel like just, there's more on StockX. The range is bigger, but yeah, that's neither here nor there. I said, I sound like I was pure hating. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think, you know, uh, we're having this conversation to help everyone that's listening better understand how these places work. And, you know, we're just trying to give you insight. Like we don't have the, the really at the end of the day, like we all like different things and we all are going to use different things. And, you know, like I, I've bought stuff off of the real, real that I just did not expect to be on there that, you know, it, it's like, it was not on any of the other apps. And, you know, the real real is like a super high fashion app, you know, it's, it's very like expensive stuff normally. And there were shoes on there that were not that expensive and I just couldn't find my size anywhere else. And I, you know, picked something up off there a while back. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's important for us to just have the conversation and talk about it and I, you know, no shots at anybody. And, you know, I'm not co-signing with any of the sites either. I just, I think we're all in the same boat where we're all kind of just trying trying our luck on all of these sites and, you know, hope for the best. And if you feel like you got something, you know, fake from one of these sites, then, you know, shoot it back at them on social media and, and hopefully they take care of you because they should. And especially considering that's the, you know, the service that they're trying to provide for people. But um, now that we've kind of run up against the clock here, like what do you guys, as we, uh, as we like to do is, 
talk about what's on our radar this week. What do you guys got? Anything that you're excited about? Yeah, uh, I got a particular pair of actually LeBron eights. I have my eye on, and I think uh, if all goes according to plan, I should be able to uh, to pull a trigger on those at the end of the week. But I will keep everyone updated on how that goes. I put myself in a timeout on shoes, so <laughs> I will I will enter the sneakers draw, of course, for those shattered backboards because I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> but, I mean, that's just going to get you some more shoes because you're going to sell them and get something else you actually want. So you got, you'd be all right. That's not real. That's that's 100 percent what I'm going to do if I get those shoes. I so I'm mad at you. <laughs> How about you, Nick? I'm going to kind of throw a curveball out there. There was a story on Sneaker News, uh, a brand called Switfish did a Star Wars collab. And it's kind of like a trail runner looking, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty fire. I think, uh, I, that's, that's definitely the one thing that got my eye this week that was like, wow, that's, that's definitely outside the, the norm for me. So, um, I don't know, like I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that. It's got a little like uh flip top on the tongue that has like the little like pilot in the, in the tongue, in the tongue of the shoe. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Star Wars and Switfish. This shoe is called the Motive X-Wing model. So I'll I'll throw them up on uh on you know the links in the description for this episode. So, but that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, we want to just thank you all for ro- rocking with us, listening to us, and supporting us. It's truly like awesome to be able to do this and to have people you know support us and. You know, just if you got an extra minute, leave us a review on iTunes because it definitely helps us out. So um, my name is Nick Ingvall. You can find me at Nick Ingvall on all platforms. And more importantly, just follow at Sneaker History on all platforms. Guys, let them know how they can find you. Yeah, Mike Guillory. You guys find me Sneaker History as well. Also find me on Instagram and Twitter at MadWatcher789. Robbie, where can they find you, sir? You can find me at R-A-H-B-E-E-702. Probably checking my Instagram while I poop. So. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On that note, we're out of here. We appreciate y'all listening and we'll catch you next time. Peace. See you. Bye. What up, y'all? This is Nick again. Before you take off, I want to ask a few favors. First, if you're listening this long, I'm going to assume that you're enjoying the show. Consider joining us on Patreon for as little as five bucks a month. It's a big help to keep this podcast going, and we drop exclusive episodes every week on our Patreon page. Second, consider leaving us an honest review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate the feedback, and it also helps us grow the community that tunes in for the podcast. Last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. It goes a long way and can really make a difference in someone's day. Once again, we appreciate you all for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, And we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.